0: How about all the way from somewhere down in Mississippi or Alabama? Nick, somewhere the in stick, the Birmingham. Birmingham. Yeah. All right. That no. <laughs> just came out of nowhere. I hadn't heard that since about the sixth grade. Uh, that's been long. I love you, too, man. You are. Well, somewhere deep south, that's where I'm from. Couldn't tell by the accent. Uh, I get ragged by my accent, and I wonder, you know, I'm... I'm I'm two miles from the Arkansas line, I grew up in Alabama, how can my accent be that much different (laughs) than the people that surround me? I wanted to talk to you guys tonight about the process. You know, all of us in our life, at some point or other, we're going through a process. It's a continual thing that happens in our life, day in and day out, we just have to allow God to let us move in us. The title of the message tonight is, Is It Time Yet? Anointed, but not appointed. Is it time yet? God, is it time yet? You anointed me. Anointed but not appointed. You know, in our society today we live in, we're taught to not be patient. Amen? Everything we do is instantaneous. We have drive throughs that we can go through. Microwaves that cook food in two minutes. And some of us, that's still not fast enough. If you want a product from online... You buy it, you can have it overnight shipped and have the thing the next day. If you want a new car, you want a new computer, you want something, well, I can't afford it. You don't have to be able to afford it. You can finance it. We don't have to wait. There's no waiting in our society. And I can tell you tonight that I'm, I'm not a real, real good waiter either. Uh, society has really taught me well. But I don't know if you guys are familiar with the movie Are You There Yet? Or Are We There Yet? Has anybody... From here that. How many have been ever, ever been in that scenario where you've, you've been in the car with a child that's going, are we there yet? In my case, it's me going, are we there yet? <laughs> you spend all this time packing and putting your stuff in, in your suitcases and getting ready to go and you, maybe you get up early in the morning and, so you can beat the heat and beat the traffic and, and five minutes into a six and a half, seven and a half hour trip, your kids are going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I mean, like five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. You know, and the thing is, is society has taught us that we can't wait for anything, that there are steps between our, our current location and our destinations. There's A, B, C, and D in between there, and we have to take B and C to get to D, but with the excitement in our lives of the promise and the dream and the calling that God puts in our lives, sometimes we just want to skip right past and go straight to D because we don't want to wait. And we're not ready to be at D because God needs to take us through B and C so that we can be ready. Amen. You know, but that's our nature. We want it and we want it now. We just don't have patience. And like I said, I'm not very good. I can, I can preach because I, I don't have patience. That's my wife. I want it and I want it now, I don't want to wait, I, I, you know, if I want this, it don't mean I always get that, but I'm just saying that's, that's my nature and I remember in my past that when we were at a church before we got here, uh, we went and tried out at another church and I was, man, I thought this is the church, this is the place God's sending us, we're going to go and, and it didn't work out and man, I was so disappointed, my heart was just broke, I felt like this was the place that God was taking me and so I kind of, you know, resigned myself to the fact that God wasn't ready yet and had another church call me and, want me to do something I just couldn't get a piece about it in my heart what God was wanting to do in my life and uh so I waited and and there was a lot of things that I didn't even realize happened in the church that we were at and processed me before I even got here I've been through several processes I'm sure since I've been here but the thing is is there was a process going on in my life that I had to wait on God I, I tried to jump the boat I tried to and when we jump the boat or we jump out of the boat prematurely we end up sinking amen so what is a process? A process is a series of action, series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. There's steps that we take to an end. And I've got a picture that uh, Sherry's going to put up for me right quick. There is no elevator to success. You have to take the stairs. There is no shortcutting the process. God has a reason and a plan for the process, amen? We can't achieve the dream without the process. God has a process for us to all go through. And you know, I don't understand why the process has to be so hard. Why does it have to be so hard? Why does it have to hurt emotionally? Why does it have to hurt physically the things that we go through? And we'll talk about this more as we go, but, but I have a feeling that there's a reason that God allows us to go through things, because the things that don't kill us prepare us for the future. God uses those things that we think are killing us to send us into our destiny, amen? So look at your neighbor tonight and tell them, embrace the process. I was reading in an article online or a, a through illustrations online, and I, I found this quite interesting it says in the last days newsletter leonard ravenhill tells about a group of tourists visiting a a picturesque village of who walked by an old man sitting beside the fence and in a rather patronizing way one tourist asked were any great men born in this village and the old man replied nope just babies (laughs) hence the process when you were born into this world, you didn't start out walking, talking, giving lectures at a college. You had to learn how to walk, and you had to learn how to talk, and you had to learn how to listen, write, read, and all these things that we, had, we have to learn how to do. There's a process involved, and God uses a lot of things in our life to do that. But tonight, there are two particular Bible figures, people that I want to talk to you about, and that's David and Joseph. I talk about them a lot. They seem to really just keep circling through my mind i don't know if it's because i i relate to some of the things they went through not in complete detail but i'm just saying you know i, I relate to them as is bible characters i was never i was never in prison i was you know I, I never killed a giant you know i can't i can't you know i guess because everybody's if they're a giant they're a lot taller than i am but anyways we're going to look at that tonight in their lives and and we're going to look at the anointing of David and go back to that title, anointed but not appointed. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verses 12 through 13, we're going to read that in just a second. But I'm going to give you a little precursor to what was going on. Samuel had just came to the house of Jesse and and he was looking to anoint the next king of Israel. And he comes up to uh, Jesse's children and he goes through his, his oldest boy and his next boy and next boy until he gets to the last one. And And when he gets to the last one, he's like, is this all you got? Because God hadn't... God didn't give me a thumbs up on anybody. And he go, well, you know, I got one more. You know, and if I remember reading something correctly, I don't even think he called him by name. I got, I got one more kid out there somewhere. And he said, we're going to stand here until he gets back. So he sends off and David comes back. And in, I'm going to read verse 13 right here. It says that, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. God anointed him, but he wasn't ready to walk into the fullness of that anointing. We look at Joseph. Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers. He finds himself in Potiphar's house, you know, and you wonder, well, what was the benefit of that? What was the things that he could have come away with that, you know, after he's he's told him that he had a dream. In Genesis, the Bible tells us in Genesis 37, verses 5 through 11, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it said that Genesis, or it said that Joseph had a dream. And then, you know, his brothers hated him because they had a dream. And the reason they hated him because he said, Hey, one day I'm going to rule over you. You know, and then he comes back again and says, Hey, wait, I had another dream, and I'm, I'm going to rule over you. And, the, and his brothers hated him all that much more because of it. It says his daddy thought about it. He said, But his father kept these sayings in mind. God was with Joseph. And those were the, the points of anointing or dream or whatever you want to call it tonight. They were anointed for a purpose, but the time was not then. Joseph was a young man. There is no way in this world that he could have went and ruled by a Pharaoh. There is no way that David could have led a nation at that age because he wasn't ready yet. There was a process that he had to go through. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. There's three things that I want to focus on. There's the teaching aspect of the process. There's the testing, and then there's the dream, the result, what happens at the end of all this. And we're going to start there with David. If we we look at the scripture right after David is anointed by Samuel, we find that uh, David is ends up in Saul's house. He's an armor-bearer, and he's playing the harp because the evil spirit from the Lord has come upon him, and and we find him, he's there, and, and you wonder, maybe you don't, but I, I'm wondering, and i thought this to myself, and I looked through some commentaries to make sure that I wasn't going crazy. Uh, what was the significance, right after, right after he's been anointed, he ends up in, Sa- in Saul's house? What is the significance of that? What is, what is the purpose? Why was he there? And, and I, I want to call it the king's university. He went to school. He sat in the court of Saul, he learned how the inner workings of the, thing, of the court happened. He was armor-bearer for uh, Saul, so he probably w- went to battle with him some. He got to see all these things that he would not have seen had he been sitting in a, in a field somewhere watching sheep. Amen? So there was a reason for it. He was being taught to be a king, and he didn't even realize it yet. Then we find Joseph. Joseph's been sold by his brothers. He ends up at Potiphar's house. Well, what's the significance there? Again, we're going to name it Potiphar's Prep School. I didn't come up by that myself. I found it. But anyways, it's funny nonetheless. There was a time for schooling in his life. There was a place that he had to go and he had to get some education. You say, well, what kind of education did he get except that woman chasing him? Well, if you, look, if you look on further in Genesis, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 42 um, that Joseph, when his brothers did come to talk to him, that he talked to them through an interpreter. So he learned the language. He understood what they were saying. He learned the language. And when they came and ate with him, he sat separate because the Hebrews and the Egyptians didn't mesh. So he understood their culture. God was raising him up. And he didn't even realize it. He's in Potiphar's house working hard as he can because the Bible says that everywhere that Joseph went, he rose to the top. He rose to the top. When he was in prison, he rose to the top. When he was uh, with Potiphar, he rose to the top. And that's amazing to me. And, and, and you know, maybe some point that, in this juncture, you ever think, well, they're sitting back and wondering, well, I remember when Samuel anointed me. I wonder when that's going to happen. I wonder when that's going to come to pass. And when, when, it, when Joseph said, I remember having this great big dream, but look at me now. I'm sitting out in the shepherd's field for Potiphar working my way up through the, the line. And now I'm taking care of He eventually took care of his whole house. But the problem was, you know, or the thing was that he didn't possibly realize what was happening. And then we find him. The second portion is the testing. We're going to look at David again. That David had been through all these great things. God had done all these great things for David. He came to Saul's uh, house, learned how to be an armor bearer, learned to play. You know, he played music. Uh, he's kind of my kind of guy. Uh, he, he played music. He was a good dude. And so he 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 did all these things, and then we find him killing Goliath. He's got all these great things. He's thinking, man, I'm grabbing some tracks. I'm fisting. I'm about to go. And then, as he marries Saul's daughter... One night he's in his room and he knows he's coming. He's coming to kill him. He, his wife lets him out the, out the window to escape. We find two other instances in the Bible where Saul is chasing him in 1 Samuel 24 and 1 Samuel 26. We find where the, Saul is pursuing, to, pursuing, I'm sure, to take his life. And David has the opportunity to take his life. And we're going to stop there just a minute because I think that's significant. I think that that was a test that God was putting in his path. And why was that a test? Well, you just kill the man. Get on with it. But the thing is, is we begin to take things into our own hands and do it by ourselves. Then we're going to fall flat of our face. But when we stand back and let God begin to move, if David had killed him, then David could have claimed the victory. But when God placed him in the place he was going, then God got the victory. Amen? Amen. We find uh, Joseph in prison. Why was he in prison? For something he didn't do. Something he didn't do and we find him talking to the cupbearer and the baker, you know you know what, being in prison, I don't care if you rise to the top, you've got to be hurt, amen, because I can't imagine it being fun in any kind of prison, no matter what position you have, and, and, and Joseph has these two guys coming, they're kind of downcast, and they've got all this stuff going on in their life, and He's like, what's going on? And he interprets their dream, you know, and he helps those guys even in the midst of what they're going through. And I can imagine that that had to have been possibly, maybe that was a test. What are you going to do in the midst of hurt? Are you going to help somebody still when you're hurting? Just because you're going through something don't mean we can't, doesn't mean that we can't be nice to somebody, that we can't help. Even though we're hurting and broken and everything's going wrong in our life, we can still be nice and show the love of Christ, amen? Even in the midst of the test and trial. I don't care about a, a test having a test or trial or going through troubles and tribulation, but they happen. They're real. They're part of life. They're part of a process that helped push us to where God has and the last part is the result. We look at the promise of God. we find David, David has taken the throne. Man, he, I guess, maybe he feels like he's arrived. I don't know. I guess if I was king of something, I wouldn't think I've arrived. I would have. I and Joseph, now Joseph is there, second in command to Pharaoh. man, you've got to think, man, man, I, I have made it now. I am here you better stand back and watch because it's about to get good. Amen? (laughs) But I don't think they had that attitude. If we get to the place where we feel like we've arrived and we feel like that we're here and we're really, really here, just because we see the fulfillment of the promise and the dream that God has in our life doesn't mean that he's finished with working on us. Amen? When when Joseph got to uh, Pharaoh's house, and interpreted the dream, that was all good and fine because, hey, now I'm second in command, but, hey, wait a minute, now I've got to get this stuff together because I've got to save Egypt. There was another process that began. Another process that began. We can't fight the process. We have to embrace it. The process is different for all of us because the promise is different for all of us. In Jeremiah 18, verses 2 through 4, it says, So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as he seemed good to the potter to do. You know, I wrote a song about this a long time ago, about the potter's wheel. You've got the wheel, the lump of clay, and then the whole process you go through. That God begins to push and prod, and we go through a process, and He says, oh, that don't feel good. Now, don't touch that, God. Oh, no, you can't have that, and so on and so forth. Amen? But we have to submit to the process if we want to be where God wants us. The last thing I'm going to read to you tonight, I got this from Anissa. I don't know how many know Anissa, um, but she she talked about this at the women's uh, women's conference. And I condensed it some, but I thought this was really powerful. And she says that exchange is to replace. Replace is to take place of. A butterfly is a remarkable creature. It will go through four stages before it reaches maturity. The egg, the caterpillar, the cocoon, and then the adult. In each stage of growth, an exchange takes place as a caterpillar he continues to grow and get larger he still looks the same but he's increased in size as a matter of fact a caterpillar will eat one to two times its weight each day and shed its skin four to five times and then the next stage of its life a caterpillar is very limited in what it can do can't travel far because he's so small doesn't crawl very fast And this stage of his life only lasts 12 to 14 days. But you know, I bet that 12 to 14 days feels pretty long. So if he's going to be ready for the next stage, he has to overcome his limitations so that he he is where he needs to be when it's time for life's next stage. Your circumstances do not change what God has said about you. Just because you're going through the testing and the trial and the tribulation doesn't change a... It doesn't matter because God still said what God said. Amen? Amen? How does a caterpillar overcome his limitations? He builds a cocoon around himself and allows God to exchange his tiny limited legs for beautiful unlimited wings. He trusts God to take him through the next, to the next stage. What the caterpillar calls the end of the world, the master calls the butterfly, Richard Bach. When a caterpillar goes into the cocoon, there's a change that takes place. A transformation. This is also a time of resting and just trusting God. Coming out of the cocoon, though, is not easy. It's a struggle. Here you've been resting and transforming and you're who God needs you to be, but you're stuck in your comfortable place and you don't want to get out of it. You're afraid of the struggle. You get frustrated because of the struggle. Your struggle can be any number of things. You just fill in the blank tonight. But God is still calling you to come out of your comfort zone. He wants you to come out of the cocoon and be what he has transformed you to be. When a butterfly comes out of the cocoon, it's a struggle. He has to twist and turn and struggle to get out of his small opening. And if you were to see this happening, you would think, oh my, he's not going to make it. How many have seen friends before that you see them struggling, you see them going through something and you just want to run to their rescue and just rip open whatever they're going through and pull them out? But if you see this happening, you would think, oh my, he's not going to make it. He needs help. But as he's struggling to get out of what is happening, his blood is being pumped into his wings. If you were to make the opening bigger so that it wasn't such a struggle, what do you think would happen? Well, it definitely won't be a struggle to get out. But because there wasn't a struggle, there wasn't any testing, there wasn't any learning, there wasn't any progressing. There wasn't any blood pumped to his wings, so now his wings won't stretch out because they didn't get what they needed. They will stay shriveled up just like they were in the cocoon. And that butterfly will never fly and will eventually die. Without the struggle, there is no blood pumped into the wings. Without the blood, there is no flight. And without the flight, there is ultimate death. Yet it is a struggle for you to come out of your comfort zone and your area. Struggle helps us find our potential. We look at at what we consider to be limitations in our life and we push back and get fearful. We say, God, I I just can't do it. We wonder sometimes, like the children of Israel, as they were going around the mountain a gazillion times, 40 years in the desert, thinking, man, that tree looks familiar. Wow. I think I've seen that bird before. And and we, we wonder, well, why in the world, why in the world... Am I still circling this mountain? And maybe, my friend used to say, you know, when we go through a test, you know, the reason we don't move on is because we didn't pass the test. So maybe they didn't pass the test. Maybe you didn't pass the test. Maybe you're circling a mountain tonight, or maybe you're circling something in your life. You're in the middle of that testing section that I was talking about. You're thinking, man, God, I am ready to move on. It hurts and it's painful. I'm just ready for the promise. I know what you said. I'm just ready. Just send it, God. Here I am. Come on. But he's saying, you're not listening. You're not listening. We've got to go through the struggle, amen? Well, this would usually be the point where I call up a musician to play the piano or the guitar, but I think that I'll just talk to you. You know, tonight maybe you're here and you feel like God has given you this massive promise. Maybe it's not a massive promise. Maybe it's just a small promise. And you feel like, man, God, I know you've been teaching me this and you've been showing me this, but I'm not seeing anything happen. Maybe you're here tonight that you're past the teaching and you're just in the trouble, the mess, the struggle. And you say, you know what? I need somebody to pray with me tonight. Remind me that God still has something for me. Maybe that's you. I've been there. Seems like half my life I lived there. Scott, what? Why? I mean, come on, somebody. Some, somebody knows what I'm talking about. And then maybe, maybe you're not. Maybe you feel like you're coming out of one thing and going to another, and God's beginning to transition you into another process. But whatever that is tonight, As we stand to our feet and we pray tonight, let's go ahead and stand to our feet. I don't know how Pastor Mike's going to transition here a little bit. But man, you know, I'd love to pray with you for whatever's going on in your life. Man, God's plan is so, so awesome and it's well worth the wait. It's worth the test. It's worth the teaching. It's worth learning how to walk and crawl and and see and read and all the things from a baby to where you're going to be. It's worth going through people looking at you funny because you're telling them a dream that they don't understand and you're sitting there in the middle of the test and you wonder but God you said you said to me that if I you would but it's not happening so maybe you find yourself in that place tonight so as we close our eyes and bow our heads in this place tonight father I just I just pray over this congregation tonight that whatever place they find themselves in whether they're They're in a a stage of you're beginning to teach them. You're sending them to school. And God, maybe they didn't like school and they don't like it now. I just pray that their patience, God, would be made perfect in you. God, and maybe they're in a test that I can't even begin to imagine. Lord, whatever that is, Lord, the struggle is so real and so unbelievable that I can't even begin to fathom. But God, you can. Lord, I just lift them up to you tonight. Those people that are going through the test, God, I just pray right now, God, that you would provide them the, the staying power, the, 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 the ability, Lord, to keep walking even when the storm feels like it's raging all around and you just want to quit and go back home and say, I'll sit in here and weather this out here. God, I pray for those people tonight, God, that you would give them endurance tonight. And God, even those people that maybe they're starting to realize the dream, God, that they, I just pray tonight that they won't get lazy. That, God, Lord, they won't get complacent, God, but they'll c- continue to pursue you. Won't feel, they won't feel like they've arrived, God. But they'll continue to rely on you and know that it was you that brought them from A to B to C to D. Lord, we thank you for that tonight. If that's you tonight, and you won't pray, can I get some of the prayer team to come up front with me and, uh, and hang out with me a few minutes?